do you feel being interviewed by me? So every time like an interview happens, right? So you always have to be prepared for like one question which you have never answered before. Correct. Yeah, right. So now I'm just like now I'm waiting. Like this is that question. <laughs> Hi, this is Abrita Sukumar, and I'm bringing to you this podcast called Unsettling. Look around you. Everyone is trying to create their own story. Make a tiny change in someone's life by just following their passion, and in turn, inspiring the others to follow suit. This podcast brings to you stories of people who have defied the definition of settled set by the society and have created their own. They have found happiness in their version of settled. That is yours. In the past four to five years, comedy and stand-up comedians have become a part of our morning routine. They are the ones that give us the strength to go about our humdrum lives with a smile on our face. And I thought, why not call a stand-up comedian and talk about his journey of unsettling? Today, I have here with me Mr. Paul Rubin. Hi, Paul. Hi. Yeah, this is the first time someone's calling me Paul. Actually, my name is Rubin. Oh my God! I actually thought that it would be Rubin. <laughs> I got really. Yeah. மலையாளி Okay. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm from Chennai, uh-huh. uh, but I'm not entirely Samarian. My mom's half Anglorian and half Samarian and my dad's from Andhra, but we've all been settled in Chennai and born in Chennai, but we moved to Bangalore. Oh my God, so you are a hybrid. Wow. Then that's I have, yeah. <laughs> so Paul yeah. and Rupin, both are your names. Paul and Rupin, exactly. Paul and Rupin are both my names and my surname, interestingly enough, is Vasudev because my dad was uh, Hindu. He was born Hindu. Okay. And then uh, his dad became a Christian, and then he became a Christian. Yeah. Oh, oh, you have a. It's very, in- it's very interesting. Like you know, uh, like most of my forefathers, uh-huh. like I know, like when they converted from like Hinduism to Christianity. So, mm-hmm. like my grand, I don't know, nothing to do with comedy, but uh-huh. I've never told this before. My grand, great, great grandfather uh-huh. was actually a. priest in a temple in a place called Trichy. Do you know Trichy? Yes, I do, I do. Yeah, yeah. And my grandfather, my dad's side, was a Hindu and he got converted to Christianity. Oh. And uh, yeah. he converted to Christianity and my dad converted and then so we all are Christian. So anyone asked me, why are you Christian? And first, like, yeah, everyone else before me was Christian, so I guess. <laughs> I was born Christian, but yeah. I'm not, like, I, I don't identify to religions. I, I think I'm okay. not a religious person. Okay. Okay, I just assumed you were a Malayali. I don't know why I assumed you were a Malayali, but I did. So, uh, I think, Paul, you have given an introduction about yourself. I want to know which educational degree were you forced to pursue by the people around you? Hmm, that's a very interesting question. I was, like the two degrees that I studied, mm-hmm. the degrees that I studied under my own will. Okay. My mom wanted me to get engineering. Um, and like, her side of the family like she had a sister who was highly educated with the doctor and so on and she also wanted me to get into engineering and I very well knew that I just would not like doing that yeah so and, and while going for this um, coaching 
program, right? To get into all these entrance exams, I just looked at all the people around me and I said, I hate all these people, man. They're so boring. <laughs> and I'm not, and all of these people are from other planet. They're getting everything so easy. Like, like yeah, obviously, this potential energy, kinetic energy. How will you not able to understand it? Like, and I was not able to get any of that. And I wrote those entrance exams and like my ranks were like phenomenally low. <laughs> I was like, how many people are writing these exams? I, I like, I think I'm a creative person, and I'm a people person, which is something which I figured out. Uh, I mean, in my late teens, mm-hmm. that I like hanging out with people, and I like uh, being with people, and I like interacting with people. And I realized that's not something I'd like to do. So I told my parents, I'm not going to do engineering, and mm-hmm. it's not something that will make me happy. And they said, all right, well, what are you going to do? Which is a very interesting question. What are you going to do if you're not going to do engineering? I was thinking, like, what am I going to do? And towards the end, I just changed my So I did a science degree in computers, electronics, and math. And I really liked that degree. I I think that was the best uh, thing I've ever studied in my entire career. Uh, So I did that. And I followed that up with a PR master degree called engineering. Nice. So when did you decide to quit whatever you were doing and pursue comedy full-time? Pursue comedy full-time? I think probably in uh, 2018, I left my IT job because I was working in IT. Uh-huh. But I had started comedy, I think, four years before um, I quit my job. So I started comedy in my master's. I, know, I don't know if this makes sense, but at some point, when when you try a bunch of things, right? And uh-huh. like, I'm not saying I tried a bunch of things, but I really knew that I was meant to comedy from a very early age, like when I was 18 or 17. Or even in school, I knew that I'll do something in the creative field, and I can, and I know that I knew that I can make people laugh. And there was a point when I was doing comedy. I think at like I think at one club, yeah. and I was I was at that club, and at that club, I I just felt so free. I've never ever felt that free in my entire life. It was not like I was conscious of anything. I just knew that yeah, this is who I am, and people like this, and I'm contributing. The people see everyone's having a good time and it's because of something that I created, right? And jokes that I've worked on at other open mics and I'm so happy that I just kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And eventually I got this club show. And I'm going to get paid after this and everyone's having a good time and everyone's messages afterwards saying that, hey, we really had a good time. Thank you so much. And at that point I knew, like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Was it the first gig you were going to get paid for? It was not my first gig. It was like, I think, after like two, two-ish years. Okay. Yeah. So it took me like, I think about two-ish years to know that I'm good at it. So how how was the first experience of your very first comedy gig? I, I mean, the first experience, like it was obviously not good. Uh, but like, I also knew that it won't be that good, but it's a great starting point. Like I knew, I like I knew that I'd want to do comedy, right? And I also knew that to do comedy, I just can't do it once. And if it's bad, I just stop. So I I had some jokes, and I got a couple of friends, and they all all of them knew that I was funny. Right? <laughs> but when you go on stage, like something happens to you, like you become a different person because you're worried about how the audience is going to perceive you, and you also see a bunch of comics go on before you. And the audience laughs at their shit, but you forget, completely forget that they have been at it longer than you. So you try to judge the room based on how the room responds to the other comics that go on before you. 
and now you have your jokes that you have written for your first your, your first set of original jokes, right? So now yeah. you try to you try to uh, judge yeah, your jokes against yeah against your against their jokes and what people are laughing. I think you get a little. I think I got a little conscious, right? So like my like my first couple of jokes were absolutely horrible and like my and, and were not that funny, right? And now when I look, I still I still remember all the jokes. But okay. uh, now when I think of it, I know that they're quite lame. But then, like the second time I came, five percent better. Mm-hmm. And then I just decided that I'm going to keep coming every week and keep getting a little better, a little more confident, and a little more practice. So my thing was like, how many more of these good nights can I keep doing to keep getting better? And the other people and myself. So do you have a stand-up comedian that you look up to, and why? Yeah, I have a bunch of comedy heroes that I look up to. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, of course, the great Dave Chappelle. Um, I think, like, not only his approach to comedy, which is normal and unmatched by other comedians, mm-hmm. and the fact that uh, he not only does comedy, but he does comedy with an intention of like explaining what's going on in the world mm-hmm. to people, right, mm-hmm. through the lens of comedy. So, which means that he's not doing it primarily for himself. You gotta do it. You gotta make people laugh, mm-hmm. but you also, at some point, got to explain shit to people of what's going on in the times to make sense of the world, right? And I would respect him for that. And I also look up to him because, like, he had like a 12-year gap in his career when nothing happened, like mm-hmm. absolutely nothing happened. Like, I think they just did a show, and like, I think 12 years he was absolutely doing nothing, right? And then it took him like 12 years just to uh, make a comeback. And now I think he won, he, he won every single comedy award. He, he recently got awarded the Mark Twain uh, Prize for Comedy, which is mm-hmm. given to like very prestigious comedians. And like, I think he, I, and, he, and I think he had the big, uh, the highest costing Netflix comedy deal, uh, since 2017 till this year, uh, till 2020, like 2019, I think, not this year, the last year, So I, I would definitely say Dave Chappelle. And there's another comic whom I really look up to, another comic called Bill Burr. Uh, and, the, and the reason why I look up to Wilbur is, first of all, like even he put in the hours, and not just the hours to do comedy, but the hours to develop a very distinct and unique voice. I think Wilbur found a very, extremely unique voice, and he's put in the work, like I, and he's put in the work, like even, even right now, like he's backing Jadians literally across the world, but he still does like two podcasts okay. every week. Oh. And you and I know how difficult it is to do a podcast, <laughs> right? And we don't have shit to do. <laughs> I mean, we have like work, but we don't have that much of work, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and like you do two podcasts, like he does a Monday and he does a Thursday while writing a Netflix uh, series and editing it and all of that, right? right. So the level of discipline, I think, is something um, unmatched. I think by almost any other comedian. And mm-hmm. I would, so I would, I think these two are my greatest comedy videos I have. Okay, I have not followed Bill Burr. I think I will follow him now. Um, now, this this question is a little thought-provoking. When the salary flow stops, how did you feel for maybe the first six months? I like I like savings. Because I was like completely like, oh my God, when, 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 what am I going to eat? And how am I going to take care of my family? And all that. I had all that sorted out to some extent, not to like a great extent. Mm-hmm. Right, not for the rest of my life and all of that. But like that period of time, I think when I was going through it, it was a little nerve-wracking. I had no clue when the next paycheck would come and when the next, you know, when when my salary, the month, 
But I also knew that I had so much of time to create new things. Yeah. And I was so pumped about just creating new things. Right? I like I started working on a blog. I started working on a writing project. We did an ad shoot. I had my podcast, and I was writing new, writing a lot of new stuff for my in in comedy. Writing a lot of new jokes. And even though I didn't have that much of money, mm-hmm. but like I I was making I was making like money from like shows and all of that. Right? And mm-hmm. of course it may not it it was not. I'm not saying it may not. It was not the amount of money that I was making on a regular basis for my job. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But I was making money uh, from like comedy. And all of that, uh, even even before I left my job, so it wasn't too nerve wracking, but it, at the same time, it wasn't the same money, so it felt a little bit. I I I did have a lot of financial anxiety. I remember they were nice, but I was not. I, was, I couldn't sleep, thinking like, when when the next money gonna come from? Where am I? What am I gonna do next? Yeah. And what's my next move gonna be? But I also kind of realized that the more money I invest in my comedy career, the the, the further it's gonna take me. Yeah. So every time I made money from comedy. I just somehow put it back into comedy, into things and into like into projects that are uh, in my podcast was uh, hosted. There was a time when like I had to pay for my hosting. I had to pay five hundred a month. Five hundred a month. Yeah, I had to pay five hundred a month. And like eventually, I was putting up so much podcast that they said you can't pay five hundred a month. You have to pay thousand a month. And I was like, and I remember breaking down. I was like, how am I going to do this? Like, how? I mean, I can't keep putting money and like sixty people listen to it. Right, yeah, and uh, so eventually I made a few calls, talked to a few people, and I was super depressed that day. I was like almost thinking of like you know why, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And I think I should just go back to a job. And I remember I think in, in two months, mm-hmm. right, like I hit like a, a low, and I actually said like okay, I'm going to go back to IT, and I started like practicing my coding skills and all of that. And just just was taking it, and then like eventually everything came across. I just made like few, few I made a few phone calls. And like I talk to the, this is the best thing when you hit a slump. Just talk to someone who's already been in a slump before. It's such a simple <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's yeah. such a simple thing, but we take it for granted. Yeah. And it's very underrated, extremely underrated. I think you should just do that. And like someone told me, like you can just use this hosting service where you don't have to run a base and so on, and they help you monetize it. So yeah, I think every time you hit a you hit a problem, it's a great way to learn how to fix that problem. And it's and this thing about like the salary not coming in is a constant problem that's going to be there for the rest of your life as a creator or an independent uh, artist, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's up to you to keep looking at new ways to innovate or to get around solving this problem. Mm-hmm. When I quit my job, I was reliant on uh, what the corporate on a, on what is called a corporate show. You know what a corporate show is? Uh yes, I think you go to all these companies and tell yourself, like <laughs> joke them. Yeah, it, yeah, almost, almost accurate. Yeah, <laughs> so you pretty much do the jokes for like a corporate, uh, like 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 what do you say, like a company, like Infosys or Microsoft or Google, any of those companies, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and you do jokes which are like super clean. Not many people laugh at it, right? And they give you all these restrictions, but you get paid a lot of money, but you suffer for like the entire thirty minutes, mo- almost most of the time. Right, mm-hmm. and yeah, and you're reliant on that. So eventually, if you you can't you can't be reliant on that because that's not under your control. Mm-hmm. And also, you'll never know when the next show is going to come to you because if you're only reliant on corporate income, right? And this is the thing: is corporate income as an artist, uh, you'll never know how many people it has been filtered through before it comes to you, right? Mm-hmm. So, you like so many corporate projects, the amount that was allocated and what came to your pocket. 
that is one thing and the second thing is there are a number of people that it goes to before it comes to you mm-hmm. it goes to like person A they don't have budget for person A that comes to person B that comes to C then D then eventually and as the you know, as everyone's like artistic industry keeps expanding like comedy has expanded right there are a lot of people who will do it for an amount lesser than me who might yeah. be even good mm-hmm. right so which which is not under my control but what is under my control which is something i figured out very very late like literally like the last year or something or like that towards the end of last year is having a show which is completely under your control to an audience that particularly likes you and are interested in what you are creating in your show which is my show i can do it as many across as many cities as possible and all the money comes to me and i make all the money so i think the best way to do it is to learn how to i like i would recommend having a team as well eventually in the later part of life but mm-hmm. learn how to um, have complete control of your uh, of your product or almost complete control of your product yeah so uh, what you're saying is you have your own style and you've created your own niche for whatever joke you are attacking and people come to you because they like you for what you are and it's not the other right. way you're not writing for right, your friends exactly. but rather rather you're writing for yourself and people just like yeah. you for who you are Yeah, but at the same time, you got to you got to be you got to stay relevant to the audience. Okay. But you got to that. But the challenge for yourself is staying relevant to people, hmm. and at the same time, not relevant to them. Just like how everyone else is relevant, to, just like how other artists are relevant to them. So you got to be different but relevant. Okay. So from where do you get the inspiration to write the jokes? That's a good question. <laughs> um, like the obvious thing is conversation. Like conversations that have a deep level, as if I mean, we all have like we. I mean, there's some, there's a funny conversation that happens, right? Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, but it's not like a funny conversation. As in, we're just joking with each other. It's actually a serious topic that we're all talking about, and we make like a joke in between, right? And or I make a joke in between. Like all the jokes that I've um, told on stage, said on stage, are all my jokes. Like I've said these things to people at some point, but mm-hmm. it's mostly like serious stuff. I would say, like mostly the stuff that I really find funny, like a dark issue. Right, some of find something hilarious or just slightly <laughs> off in that. Okay. Yeah, so I think that's where I find most of my comedy. Oh, nice. So, how many attempts does it take to perfect a joke to make it uh, audience or video ready? I think it's it's almost endless. There are some jokes like I put out a video last year, and there are some jokes I think I can do better. Okay. See, I, I guess it's the same with writing. If you speak to writers. Mm-hmm. Like they would obviously tell you that they write draft after draft after draft, right? Yeah, right. And like eventually, uh, <laughs> eventually you just put out the draft and you're like, I can't change this anymore. But also at some point, at some point, mm-hmm. uh, you realize that you're getting bored of it. Mm-hmm. At that point, you got to, you got to, I think that at that point you got to retire. <laughs> okay. Because you move on, because yeah. you move on as a human being, right? Yeah. And but like the stuff that you did like five years ago, like I was talking, like my previous video, I was talking a lot about my parents, a lot about like and, and a lot about how I was leaving them as a people. Like when I moved on as a human being from that first, like I'm not a child anymore. I can't talk about education. I can't talk about uh, things that affected me as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. So now the next video, it will have nothing of that. So I've now I've, I'll move on to things that have been relevant to me in the last couple of years. Okay. Oh, now yeah. this inspires another question. So when you write a joke, I mean, once you write the joke, you kind of uh, tend to uh, revise it, talk to yourself, talk to your friends, 
and after a certain point of time you don't know whether the joke is funny or not i mean people find yeah. it funny but then yeah. you yourself are so bored after listening to the entire thing that when you kind of feel maybe or maybe not does that happen with you when you doubt your own joke yeah doubt your own joke <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> yeah for sure like i always argue like is that really funny and yeah like that's the question i keep asking for and sometimes if you're doing a really bad show this is this is part of doing a really bad show like while you're doing a joke right your yeah. mind is elsewhere you could be thinking of a hundred other things like how am i going to get out of this place what am i going to do after this what am i going to eat where am i going to eat who am i going to meet after the show mm-hmm. because i've done the show you've done this joke like over and over and over and over and over again right so it almost becomes like uh, like second nature to you Right, yeah. you can do it like when you're when you're doing something else like i can tell it, i can tell one of my old jokes while sending a text message to someone <laughs> and probably explain like kinetic energy or something that's right <laughs> i i think like the way to uh, keep yourself fresh the way to do this is to change the pattern of your joke mm-hmm. uh, i mean change the order of your joke so if you start like joke number 1 joke number 2 joke number 3 like in the next show probably do like, start a joke number 2 okay. and then see how you can weave your weave your uh, joke number 1 Okay. And even the podcasts have helped in this because you know when you have a list of questions, right? Hmm. Uh, and you you don't really know which question you can go on to the next because you're listening to the conversation uh, that's happening between you and your guest, right? So yes, you have to patiently right. listen and then find a way to segue into which question you want to ask. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah, I think that's really helped with the comedy. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that makes you a little more prompt to change the script and maybe talk to the audience. and understand prompt and prompt and i think aware aware of what i'm saying okay. is there any other hidden talent that i don't know about apart from podcast ah zero nothing i was thinking <laughs> even like you know, i have like almost nothing <laughs> so little right like apart from being like a i mean like a storyteller and like i think you know we and talking to people i have nothing yeah i'm like creating stuff without this almost nothing <laughs> <laughs> I like talking almost everything else. Like I, I, I'm so bad. I'm so ridiculously horrible at the other stuff. It's hilarious. That's like I remember when. Good, right? Since you have only one thing that you're good at, you know which direction to go. <laughs> I mean, no, no, but the other things are good. like. I, I, I mean, if you look at it positively, yeah, but it's also not. It can't be that way every time, right? Like I talk up like even the basic things. Like you know, if I had a book like a. I got a book like a hotel room I once remember I was doing a show at Pune which is I think two years, two years ago yeah two years ago and I was supposed to stay at a place because I could, my flight was like in the early morning and I needed some place to crash right and I I was going with another comic who was up for me he was going to do like 15 minutes and I was going to close the show and do about 40 minutes and uh, I booked a place and it was 10 kilometers away so like 10 kilometers how far can that be I'll leave like 2 hours before the show I'll reach there 1 hour before and then I still have time to work my set but this place was so incredibly far away from like the cafe right I don't know what happened I reached like I think 4 3 between 3 to 4 3 to 4 hours after I started like half an hour into the show and like everything was so horrible and my my, my guy was open Uh, they get me and he told me this dude i always look up to you and like what a well organized human being you are that's when i realized that even you are a fucked up as me okay yeah and i told him dude the reason why we're doing all this is because we're really fucked up human beings and we almost got everything else and that's why we're doing this 
you know, I think nobody actually has figured out their life date. They just put it. So <laughs> there are a couple of people. <laughs> I know a lot of people who are, who are pretty well. No, uh, actually, you are. You may be right. Yeah, you may be right about it. So now that you have started trending on the YouTube channel once in a while. Not you, trending. You were trending. That is how I found you on the YouTube channel. Not trending, but I'm doing okay. Yeah, I got my. I'm so happy. Like I got my uh, first YouTube page like a couple of weeks ago. You got your first what? My my first YouTube paycheck. Paycheck. Oh my God! I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, you were actually trending. You came up in my feed, and I'm like, okay, new comic. Let's check his material out. And uh, right. I have started this new thing where I said I am going to appreciate artists for my fan really Right. Amazing. So that is right. how I I saw you on YouTube. I'm like, oh, this is really good. So I'm just going to text him. I I didn't expect expect a reply at all. Like I just hope no, the message goes, and someday he reads it and he finds okay there is someone who really likes the material. So that is how I. No, I. Uh, no, I always, I always, always like reading people's messages. I'm replying to them. It's very fun. No, I'm really glad. Because I, I, like, like, I mean, the reason why I'm doing this is because I want to, like, I want to connect to. I want, I like interacting with people. Correct. And I really like doing that. So as long as I can do that as much as I can, I will be doing it. So that I think that's what I like. Oh, I'm so glad. So, uh, like I was saying, since you are trending once in a while, do people come to you and give you free advice as to how you should perform on stage? Yeah, every time I do badly. Oh, every time you do badly. Yeah, yeah, every time I do badly. I, I thought that, who... I mean, usually it happens is people come and I mean, even if you're doing well, they come and give you free advice. Ah, better, thoda sir. No, no, no. Better hota. No, no, no. I think in my experience, been every time I've done. Like I mean, the people are giving me advice, and I always ask them how many comedy shows have you done? Ah, they have no answer. Yeah, and then I said, like I said, I, then I, 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 I tell them, like, if you don't mind, I'm going to listen to uh, another comedian. So I, I, the people I do listen to are comedians. I do listen to comedians. Okay. And all comedians, not only the the comedians who are senior to me, mm-hmm. but also I especially like the comedians who are who started after me because I think. Um, first of all, they started like at a later period when comedy was evolved, and so and if they have stayed at it for long enough, that means they have fought through much more competition than I fought through. Mm-hmm. So I respect to them. And the second thing is in comedy, like in every batch, like you get a new set of ideas that come in, right? Like people are always trying new things, mm-hmm. and, and I really look up to them. So I do listen to comedians across the board, but I don't listen to comedians who are senior to me. Uh-huh. And who have not made it bigger than me? Oh, okay. Because <laughs> they that comes from place of pessimism. That yeah. advice comes from place of pessimism. Yeah. Like, why are you trying this? Man? It's not going to work. That's mm-hmm. because like the thing. Here's like I figure this out with my with me itself, with me myself, right? Like all the things that I hate about the world, I actually hate about myself, right? So like if people like if you, you know when advice is coming from a bad place, um, because it's based out of fear. Hmm. At some point, they sort of be like, "Hey, why are you trying?" Like, I had like I had I had a comic come and tell me the other day, like, I, I like your opinions, but I also wish you grow up at some point, right? And I thought about it as like, no, this person is not right. Look up to him. I think I I work I work harder, and I think I have bigger dreams uh, for my life than that person has for himself or whatever, right? So I just let that go. I just let that life pass. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you took it in this way. 
so what is the free advice do you have for the up and coming stand up comics out there mm, i think they already have a lot of advice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Thank you for tuning in.